Thank you, Graham, for the lovely welcome and the warm welcome. And my goodness, it really is a warm welcome. Uh, you're used to the heat down here. Two weeks ago, I had to dig my way home from the meeting. So it's nice to know that uh, I shall be able to get home quite easily tonight. Um, as you can tell from my accent, I'm not a Devonian. I come from uh, Yorkshire. I believe that uh, Robert Partridge is a preacher here, and a little while ago he was at a meeting and I heard somebody say to Robert, you've been up to Skipton at Yorkshire, uh, Robert, how did you get on with them? And he said, um, they were a bit blunt, but they looked after me all right. And I thought well, that kind of summarizes it, that we are a bit blunt. But another thing about Yorkshire is that we are great singers. If you've never heard the Huddersfield Choral Society, then you are really missing something, and particularly at Christmas, if you can get a ticket to hear them sing The Messiah, and particularly those verses, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. So those are the verses we're going to read tonight from Revelation chapter 5. And we'll read from verse 6. Then I saw a lamb, looking as it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom of priests, to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousands, they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor, and glory, and blessing. Then I heard every creature in heaven, and on earth, and under the earth, and on the sea, and all that is in them, singing to him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb, be praise, and honor, and glory, and power, forever and ever. The four creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. May God bless the reading of his precious and holy word. Last week at uh, Bakewell, I was at a kind of second-hand occasion and somebody tried to sell me a second-hand jigsaw puzzle, which I didn't buy because from past experience, when you've put nearly a thousand pieces together, there's always three or four pieces missing. I think some of you have had that experience. 
But as I was going through the week, I was thought of coming down here at Great Parks. And uh, I thought it's a little bit like a jigsaw puzzle. I don't mean there are any bits missing. But uh, I think about 20 years ago, some of us came together, a bit timorously, perhaps a little nervous, but full of faith and looking to the Lord. And over the years, as I've been coming down, it's, it's been lovely to see God putting the pieces together. Uh, very often when you see a jigsaw puzzle, it's got a kind of chocolate picture on the front, and it's lovely. And everything God does is beautiful and lovely. I like that song, You Are Beautiful Beyond Description. And uh, as I've come down here, it's been lovely and beautiful to see what God has been doing here in the last 20 years. Well, looking around, some of you weren't even born 20 years ago. But to see people doing things they would never have thought of doing and saying things. And there's just been that growth there. And it's been absolutely lovely. Uh, A few weeks ago, in fact, last month, I went to see the consultant and uh, about a new knee, and he said, what are your expectations? Well, I said, I would like to run, and I would like to walk, and I would like to climb, and I would like to go up and down hills. He took one look at me and said, don't expect to do ABC when you're at XYZ. (laughs) I thought, what an encouragement. But, well, physically, as you've reminded me, Graham, we do grow weaker spiritually, We should be developing and growing. I turned the television on because I wanted to hear a preacher and missed him. But I got his prayer, and the last sentence in his prayer was, Lord, deliver us from a static, stale Christian life. Static, according to the dictionary, it says, incapable of producing life and growth. Stale, the dictionary says, if you feel stale, you have no new ideas and are bored. What a thing to be a Christian, stale and static. The Bible is full of expectations for us as we go on in the Christian life. You know, it's good to have a routine. Some Christians love to go from crisis to crisis, from volcano to volcano, But you do need a routine to grow. Um, It's when it becomes a dull routine that we have problems. No, there are great expectations for the Christian. I was reminded of the television presenter in New York at Christmas. He decided to interview different ambassadors. So he rang the French ambassador and said, well, what do you expect at Christmas? Well, he said, I would like to have world peace. I would like to see the United Nations coming together. Then he rang the Chinese ambassador. What would you like to see at Christmas? Well, he said, I would like to see the world fed. I would like to see everybody agreeing and coming together in the nations and the Palestine, so on and so on. Then he rang the British ambassador and said, well, what would you like to see at Christmas? Well, after a minute, he said, I would like some aftershave lotion and a pair of socks. No, no, our expectations is for development. Peter says, add to your faith these different things, knowledge, perseverance, godliness, kindness, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. 
Oh, I don't want to be ineffective, and I do want to be productive. The Bible says, with unveiled faces, we see the glory of the Lord, and with every increasing glory, we are being changed. So even when we get over 60 and over 70 and over 80, ever-increasing glory, even at XYZ, how does this happen? How can a Christian stay without being stale and static? Well, it says, when Christ, who is our life, appears... And I think that's a very, very interesting statement. When we become Christians, Christ becomes our life. Some people live for certain things. Mary Berry, she lives for cooking. I'm amazed her husband's so thin. I think of Freddie Truman, who lived for cricket. When I'm not playing cricket, I'm thinking cricket. It dominated his life, cricket and and football and whatever it may be when we become Christians we're not dominated by football we may enjoy it to cricket but we're dominated by Christ he kind of encircles everything looking unto Jesus I find Revelation 5 a very very practical chapter indeed I know a lot of people think it is very very heavenly There are two thoughts that I leave with you tonight, and there are these. Excuse me. Number one, what Jesus has done for me. What Jesus has done for me. And the whole theme there is, you have redeemed me. You were slain, you were killed, you have redeemed us to God by your blood. When I think what Jesus has done for me, we've taken the bread and the wine and we've remembered that he was killed, he was slain, he was murdered for me, wounded for me. He shed his blood. Every morning I read a little bit of Derek Bingham and last week one of the comments was his mother said when she was dying, make much of the blood of Christ. For when you are where I am, it counts. How we need to remember what Jesus has given us and done for us. Philippians reminds us of who the Lord Jesus was. He was in the form of God. He was God. But it says this, because he loved us and cared for us, he didn't grasp onto what he already had. I love that word in the authorised version. He didn't grasp. Have you ever noticed when a brand new baby is born, if you put your finger in its hand, what does it do? It, It curls. It grasps. We seem to be born with a grasping nature from beginning to end. But there was one who didn't grasp. And the lovely thing about the Lord Jesus, as we've been reminded, the Son of God, he loved me and gave himself for me. How much did he give? Everything. There was nothing left. He gave and gave. He gave his back to the smiters. He gave his blood. He gave everything. He gave everything. He gave everything. Redemption. 
through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So, we find this great theme in Revelation chapter 5 of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. But then there is this incredible response, what I do for him. Because of what he's done for me, I stand all amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene, and now we can see that the one who gave everything is receiving everything. And I think it's tremendous. As I say, I love it. I don't know about what you do down here, but when we sing the Hallelujah Chorus, we all stand up, and that's tremendous. And when they sing, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain, ooh, I do get excited. Even though I'm not a charismatic, I do get excited. And I love it when they sing, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain, now to receive power, wealth, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and praise. It's going to be great. Some of my friends are already there. 20 years ago, I looked round and hmm, they're already there, giving him the honor and the praise. Worthy is the Lamb to receive. Redcliffe Bible College has as its motto, as now, so then. As it is now, so then. It's saying to their students, who've come probably to train as missionaries and evangelists, as you are now, so you will be then on the mission field. Three years at Bible college, unless the Lord works in you, you will be the same. As you are now in England, going to Brazil won't make any difference. As now, so then. When I look at this particular passage, I would like to turn it round and say, as then, so now. As then, so now. We're looking forward to the time when we're going to be in heaven and we're going to say, Lord Jesus, you are worthy to receive power and riches and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. Well, if we really love him, if we've really been saved, isn't it true that we would like to start giving him these things now? We can't wait to get to heaven. Lord Jesus, you are worthy to receive power over me. The word there is authority and control. The moment I was saved, I was translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Out of the authority of Satan to the authority of the Lord Jesus. So that I can say, Jesus is Lord. The Romans used to meet another soldier and say, Caesar is Lord. But now we say, no, no, Jesus is my Lord. I'm just reminded of the barber at Exeter, and uh, he was closing his shop, and a young man came and he was reading the newspaper, and it said, footballer transferred £60,000. Oh, said the barber. I mean, this is a long time ago, 60000 is peanuts, isn't it? 
What a transfer fee. £60,000. Oh, said the evangelist who was having his hair cut, not as much as my transfer fee. Who thought the barber? I've really got an important person here, a key footballer. Who did you play for? Well, said the evangelist, I used to be with the Rovers and with the Wanderers. Well, he said, who are you with now? He said, well, I'm with the United. And uh, seeing as the last one, he sat here and he said, let me explain. He said, once I wandered away from God and roved in the paths of sin, but now I've been transferred, I've been translated, I'm united to the Lord and to his people. And the transfer fee was the precious blood of Jesus. What a price. Men generally are controlled by power, position and pleasure. And nothing wrong with pleasure and these other things. We all like a good cup of coffee and a walk and a good meal, whatever it may be. But now all these things are under the control, the authority of the Lord Jesus. As St. Augustine said, please God and do as you like. That's great. Martin Luther said, God treats every believer as a king. I've got great freedom in Christ whose service is perfect freedom. Becoming a Christian then is coming under the authority and the lordship of Jesus. And that is absolutely wonderful. I'm sorry that I missed a wedding yesterday because last year I went to too many funerals. I've forgotten whose funeral I went to sometimes. But yesterday my two friends, Alan and Nanny, we're getting married at our church, and I would love to have been there. But one thing I'm glad about, it was a Christian wedding. A Christian wedding is like the Lord's Supper. It is a covenant. This is a covenant feast. They were not entering into a contract. Alan didn't say to Annie, well, let's give it a go. Perhaps after three months we get a bit fed up with one another. So I'll give you £30,000 and you leave me the television and the house. That is a contract. In a covenant, the bridegroom says, all that I am is yours. And she replies, all that I am is yours. Isn't that true? That is a covenant of love. The Lord Jesus has said to you and me, all that I am, I give to you. And we say, love so amazing, so divine, shall have my heart, my life, my all. Sandy Rogers, the principal at Faith Mission, said every morning when I wake up, I say, Lord, what do you want me to do today? You know, when we submit, then there is real freedom. A man came to the Lord Jesus and said, please come and heal my servant. And the Lord Jesus said, well, I'm coming. But the man said to him, Lord, you have great authority. But I am a man under authority. There is a Caesar in Rome who says, do this, do that. And I obey and because I obey, I have authority in his army. 
I have a hundred men under me because of that. And I can say to this man, wash my clothes, make my dinner. What he's saying is this, I have now responsibility and authority in the army because I am under the authority of Caesar. When we come to the Lord and we trust him and commit ourselves to him, then we're under his authority and his control. I wonder where you are today with that. Well, we can't go through these in great detail, else we shall be here all year. Lord Jesus, you are worthy to have power. The next word is riches. The cattle on a thousand hills belongs to the Lord. But the Lord also has given each one of us some ownership, some money, perhaps even a checkbook. The great danger sometimes is holding back what the Lord has given us. I think of the boy at the Harvest Festival and the minister stood at the front to receive the gifts and this little lad of seven came forward and the minister took the apples and said, thank you, son. When I see your father, I will thank him for four lovely apples. To which the boy replied, please, sir, would you thank him for six? Sometimes the Lord's work suffers. Some of us are connected with Oasis in Cyprus. Morris and Elsie uh, were part of that great work. And I was amazed last year when I heard that they were down to $12. Mind you, the Lord soon made it up to them. The Lord is no man's debtor. But how amazing that we have the privilege to give. A friend of mine felt he should give some money to a missionary society and was holding on till he read Jonah chapter 2. Those who cling to worthless idols will forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Hanging on, we forfeit. The Lord Jesus said, give and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over. Shall men give into your bosom for with the same measure that you meet with all it shall be measured again to you. Paul says your giving proves the reality of your faith. Well, some of the young people said to me, if you knew what my spending money is, I'm always asking my dad to increase it from £5 to £10, and it never seems to happen. When God receives our gifts, they're wonderful to him. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, last year's film, Queen Victoria, one or two have. But I love it, I've seen a few of it. I love it when Victoria and Albert get lost on the moors. And uh, they find this little cottage, and there's an old couple there. There must be about 100 years each. And uh, I am a clue what's happening in the outside world. I haven't a clue that Victoria and Albert uh, have got lost and need a night's lodgings. So very kindly, this lovely couple give them something to eat and a bed to lie down. And the thing, Victoria and Albert think it's fantastic. They're away from the maddening crowd until the searchers come and find them. And Victoria is so upset. And of course, the mother, the mum, the lady in the house is absolutely overcome that she's entertained the queen. 
And it's lovely when she says, If I'd known you were coming, Your Majesty, I would have baked you some of my special oat cakes. Special to her. And would have been special to the Queen. Listen, we cannot outgive the Lord. And wisdom. Well, Christ is the wisdom of God and the power of God. But believe it or believe it not, God has given you some grey matter. And he's given us a brain to think. And that's tremendous. And that divine wisdom for us comes to us in this book, the Bible. At the coronation service, the archbishop says to the sovereign, we present you with this book, the most precious thing that this world affords. Here are the living oracles of God. My, did you realize as you sat in your seat that you had the most precious thing that this world possesses? The word of God. Absolutely fantastic. There's something very special about the word of God. Five questions have been asked by God, which I just mentioned. The first one is, Adam, where are you? In other words, what is your relationship to God? Question number two, who told you? Who told you you were naked? Where do you get your information from? What is it you have done? How do you take responsibility? Why are you angry? How do you deal with life's emotions? And the last question, where is your brother? How do I relate to other people? But there's a very close relationship between question one and question two. What is your relationship with God? Where do you get your information from? I can only get divine gospel truth from this one book in the world. The Lord Jesus said this, whoever has my commands and obeys them, that's in other words the Bible, he is the one who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will show myself to him. So if I want to get to know the Lord and grow spiritually, I need to spend some time with the Lord every day. Now, there are some very old Christians here tonight. I think I'm probably on one of the oldest. And if one of the children was to say to me, Don, you're very old and you've been a Christian a long time. What's been the greatest thing that's helped you in your Christian life? I would say this. Every morning, without fail, reading the Bible and praying. We used to sing, read your Bible and pray every day if you want to grow. Oh, do start if you are saved, if you've just been saved, if you've been saved at camp. Make the Bible exceedingly precious in your life. Well, my time has nearly gone. Worthy is the Lamb to receive strength. Jesus is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. The Lord's work 
needs physical energy. Next week, you've got a preacher coming to you from Oakhampton, Oakhampton, and he's got two friends of mine. I hope he brings them with him. I hope he brings them with him because they are giants. They're big lads. When they come to my house for dinner, I prepare twice as much because they've just finished Bible college and they're working. You're very fortunate to have them in Devon. So do book them to preach, both of them, 24 excellent preachers. But my goodness, it's lovely to have them around. When I had my party at New Year, I needed things moving. These lads just lifted them up and moved My goodness. You know, it does take energy, physical energy. And it's good to see young people because some of the older ones can't have the energy that they had. Paul says, I remember your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope. I'm reminded of the vicar who used to have every Monday a team meeting uh, for the people in his church, the curate, etc. And at 10 o'clock, they would start the meeting. But at 10 to 10, the vicar always looked through the window at the trains running by. And the curate said to him, I didn't realize you were into train spotting. No, said the vicar, I'm not. He said, but I like to see the 10 to 10 train leave on a Monday morning. He said, it's the only thing that moves in this parish without me pushing it. Simon Walsh, who I think has preached here, was with the Faith Mission on Wednesday. He used an illustration. He said, there may be a beam. There may be a beam, and I'm trying to hold it up. And he said, it's impossible, but if you all come and help me, then we do it. You know, when we say Jesus is Lord, that should be easy for us because we all have one boss. We all have one master. We're all going in the same direction. Strength, all honour the Lamb. Do you remember Eric Little in Chariots of Fire when he refused to run on Sunday and I think he won the 500 metres and a man, as he was starting, gave him a piece of paper and when he read it, Eric Little, who really stood for the Lord, read those words. They that honour me, I will honour. It's not easy to stand up for Jesus today, at work or at school, or wherever it may be. The fear of man brings a snare. It says in the Bible, the righteous are as bold as lions. So we need to pray, Lord, I pray that today you will give me the courage to speak a word for you. I think down here, some of you will remember Stan Ford, heavyweight boxer. And uh, he was with some of his mates in the pub, holding up the counter full of drink. And a little lass from the Salvation Army, 16 years old, came in selling the war cry. And uh, these big men had a joke and said, we dare you to sing. And this little girl, young lady, 
She said, clear, clear the beer bottles. She stood on the table and she sang the old rugged cross. And it moved Stan Ford, this big heavyweight boxer. It moved him so much that he became a Christian. Isn't that great? I didn't learn till last year that the young lady who had sung later became his wife. So that was a double blessing, wasn't it? A double blessing. Stand up. Don't be ashamed of the Lord. Glory. The Lamb is all the glory in Emmanuel's land. It's giving the Lord all the praise. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. John Piper translates it, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied with him. When we're satisfied with the Lord, we do bring glory and blessing to his name. How amazing that is. And the last going through these quickly. The last word is blessing. I think this is wonderful. He who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, we can bless him. Do you know the Lord enjoys being with his people? We had a friend, Margaret and Alistair and myself, uh, from Iran. Don't know if you remember Ashkan. And uh, a young Iranian came to Bible college in this country. And I love to hear sometimes foreign people when they pray because it can be very real. And I remember Ashkan praying and he said, Lord, make your face shine upon us, Lord. Lord, help us to bring a smile to your face. Well, I thought that's lovely. That's amazing that you can bring a smile. On the face of the Lord Jesus, we can bless him. And he loves to be praised. He loves to be blessed. The centrality of the Lamb. He is the center of heaven's worship. He is the center of the universe. He is completely unique. There's nobody else like Jesus. He is the center of this world in which we live. One day the kingdom's of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. He is the centre in the church. The great question is, is he the centre in my life? Do I say to him this evening, Lord, you have control. You have bought me with your blood. I'm so happy to be under your authority because it's the best for my life. All that I have, riches. Lord, my thinking power, I want to concentrate on you and on your word. The strength that I have. I want to honour you at school, at work. I want people to know that I am a Christian. And Lord, all the glory shall be yours and the blessing. We used to sing a song, by and by when I look at his face, I wish I'd have given him more. I think that's going to be true. That when we see him, we'll think, oh, Lord, you are so worthy. You are so wonderful. All my days and all my powers, all my will and all my powers, all the passion of my soul, not a fragment, 
that the whole shall be thine, dear Lord, shall be thine. Where is the Lord? I wonder if you were saved. I wonder if you pass from death to life by trusting the Lord. If not, this is a wonderful time to do it. In this meeting tonight, Christians are here. You could just open your heart and say, Lord, you died for me. Please be my saviour. And those of us who are saved, 20 years we came together, some of us. Perhaps again we need to say, Lord, afresh, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. By and by, when I look at his face, I'll wish I'd have given him more. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Lord, as we sense your presence with us tonight, we, your people, want to tell you that we think you are beyond description, wonderful, amazing, majestic, powerful, the lover of our souls, the one we adore. We bless you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you came. Holy Spirit, won't you tell us more about his lovely name. Thank you for so many lovely young people here tonight. Lord, may every life be saved. May every life be used in the coming days to your praise and glory. And if there's anybody not saved here tonight, show them how much you care for them, how much you did for them, and how much you love them. Father, we thank you that in a world that has mainly rejected the Lord Jesus, we thank you that we can enthrone him, King of kings and Lord of lords. Receive our homage and our praise in his holy and worthy name. Amen.